Hey, potential podcast listeners. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Potential. That's BetterHelp.com Potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Hey, potential podcast listeners. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Potential Welcome back to another edition of Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Sogol, and joined by my really wacky co-host with the crazy hair sometimes, Chris Tour. And uh, we're really excited to tackle one of, um, probably one of our f- like favorite, maybe time-trippy films uh, series of all time. And of course, we had to talk about Back to the Future. I'm really excited about Chris. Thanks again for suggesting this topic. Right, Scott! Yes, uh, I was excited Isn't to talk I? about this movie. I know, excuse me, uh, sneeze <laughs> there. But um, yeah, I think when it comes to time travel movies, Although there's been quite a few that are really enjoyable, I don't think anything tops Back to the Future. I no, think a lot of people, not. there's just something about the characters, the story, the humor, 
the time period, there's just something that really clicked about that movie, which then led to a part two and part three. And it's never been topped. It's just never been topped. So we thought, hey, you know what? We just passed, a, it wasn't quite an anniversary, but um, I, w- I just rewatched the films and I always love, you see the dates on the DeLorean. You're like, oh, we just kind of passed that, those October dates, but we decided we can't do it alone. No, we cannot do it alone, folks. Today, we have a special guest with us to talk about Back to the Future. He is an actor and a director and a friend of mine. Please welcome to the podcast, Eric Moodyman. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, Chris. Thank you for having me here. Super excited to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time. I actually went back in time and saw the first time Eric watched the movie. I saw the glint in his eyes. He saw the time travel. And then I came back and we started the podcast. And you're like, you're going to do a podcast episode. Yeah. What? I have to tell you about your future. There's going to be a no! pandemic. The disaster is good. The consequences could be disastrous, Chris. No man should know too much about their own future. I know. Such an interesting concept about that. Well, okay, back to the future. You know, I was actually thinking about this morning. I can't remember the first time I saw this movie. This is called uh, Old Age, folks. We're all in our 30s now, and L- it's starting L- to show. scary, because I'm going to reach your age in two years. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I was trying to think, I was like, do I remember the first time I saw this movie? Uh, clearly, obviously, it would not have been in theaters, but I'm like, the, the, you know, we're all three from the uh, age of VHS when we were kids. I'm trying to think who would have had this movie or would it have been a, a situation where I first saw it on TV with commercials? I'm assuming it was probably that. Uh, but do you have memories of the first time seeing the original film? We'll start with you, Eric. I don't remember when I saw the original film, but funny enough, I do remember when I saw the third movie. And this is actually why Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies, is because it's the first film I remember seeing. I was on vacation with my parents, and this is back before uh, hotels had pay-per-view and cable and such, and they had those little stacks of VHS tapes at the lobby that that you could rent for the night. And I remember seeing Back to the Future 3. I think I was only like four or five years old. No idea what this movie is, but you know how kids are. They they see a movie and it's like, mommy, I want to watch this thing. And I insisted on watching the third Back to the Future, having never seen any of the other ones. And I was enamored with it. And I remember at the very end when the train crashes into the DeLorean and destroys it. And little five-year-old me just starts bawling his eyes out that they destroyed the time machine and Doc was stuck in the Old West. And that's why it's always been one of my favorites. It was just one of the first things I ever connected to, to the point where I did eventually get the first VHS, but it took forever for me to get two and three. So whenever uh, I got a good grade on a test in middle school, it'd be like, all right, Eric, you, you did good on that test. You can can rent anything you want at the movies. Now I always rent Back to the Future 2 and 3 so I could just binge the series until my parents just got sick of renting it and were like, screw it, we're buying it. That's my first memory of the third one. I don't remember exactly the first one though. I do distinctly remember when I saw it first time was uh, was on TV. And uh, I do remember I was just like, what is, what is this going on? And I was really just glued to the screen uh, watching this film and... I might have been probably ten or twelve when I when I first saw this, um, not eleven, but um, yeah, it was just I was enamored by this movie. I'm like, what is going on? This is so like so cool, and this the that idea of time travel in a film or just time travel in general at an early age always kind of stuck with me because I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. To this day, it's like 
It's just something to greatly um, invest in. And I think this film just had a great concept of it that no other film had been able to do before. We've been obsessed with the idea of time travel our entire lives. I feel like people, especially as we age, there's just always this idea, can we go back in time? Also, you know, we think of things that we may not be so happy with in our life that if maybe I had gone back and done that thing differently, would that have changed? And an interesting concept of this film of like having to go back in time because now this thing is happening and if it's not fixed, and then it gets in this whole, you know, <laughs> these movies definitely bring up the crazy idea of, is it a time paradox where like, if Marty never went back in time, would his parents never gone back together? And therefore he never would have been created in the first place. You know, all that stuff where your brain starts to go like, oh my goodness. But what this movie has, which is not a time travel, like scary moment, although we get a little bit of that in part two, there's that humor. There's a lot of like funny, you know, Chris Lloyd as Doc Brown is very goofy. And, and then Marty just being this kind of punk kid. It's like, man, this is heavy. I love it. He says it's heavy multiple times. We don't, you don't use that word anymore, do we? Now, when we say heavy now after the pandemic, it's because we had too many snacks. But hey, we had to get by, (laughs) folks. We had to get by. But uh, yeah, Back to the Future, the first film came out in 1985, directed by Robert Zemeckis, who, of course, has made uh, many brilliant films. And uh, as I said, uh, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, although brilliant in the role, was not the first uh, choice for Marty. It wasn't. Um, Stoltz was the original. Yeah. Man. Oh, yes and no, if I may interject. Oh, he was yeah. he was oh. the first choice. He just wasn't available. Is the he problem. was on the TV show, right? Yeah, he was family doing ties. Family Ties. So when Chris Stoltz ended up not working out and they were like, hey, you know, we got to find someone else. They were like, okay, can we really try to get Michael on this one? Uh, so he was the first choice. It just was a conflict, uh, apparently. Good thing that he got, they got him. <laughs> yeah, and poor guy. He was like doing family ties during the day and back to the future at night and like he got literally no had no sleep. life he had no life yeah <laughs> but like you know hey isn't that the dream of being an actor <laughs> just like oh woe is me too much work i have two jobs one that's gonna be a huge movie one day without even knowing it i mean if you think about it michael j fox who has had a fabulous career still the biggest movie of his career if you think about it like i don't think he's done anything else that's topped back to the future as a no, trilogy not. um the, the finding role of his of his career but yeah it's so interesting to think about that that they had, they had already started filming for i think i think it was something like six to seven weeks and then they had to be like we have to we have to this is not working <laughs> we have to uh go back uh which just from a money standpoint is a lot of time even you know you know we, we think nowadays there's these big hollywood movies that sometimes shoot for six to you know months to a year but this movie would have probably been shot in a few months and that's already like a huge chunk of your shoot time basically wasted. I think, isn't it, isn't it the case that there are some shots in the finished film that they just either uh, projected Michael's face on or like they, they didn't have time to reshoot some stuff. So there's some shots that are Eric's body or like it's a body double or something. I think there's stuff like that. There's definitely one that is kind of, um, disputed. It's when Marty punches Biff in the restaurant and supposedly like Biff's eyeline completely changes and it's been it's been debated uh, about whether that's Marty, uh, Michael, whether it's Eric or whether it's a stunt double and they're all, no one can really agree 
on what the actual answer is for that one. But supposedly that's Eric Stoltz actually punching Biff. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few other little shots here and there too. Well, and and that's not the only one, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it was interesting because of the Stoltz replacement with Marty as they had to change his girlfriend a couple times, actually, yeah. because of the height oh, yeah. difference. Because there's like, they thought at the time, uh, his girlfriend should not be taller. Michael J. Fox, little guy, he's a little scrappy guy, which I think lends to a lot of humor, not just in the first film, but throughout them. And I always love that when he's standing at the bully and you see his eyes like, oh, you're pretty tall. Well, the theme too, the whole, all three films of Don't Call Him Chicken. He He's very big on Don't Call Him Chicken. He, has, he really does have that, for a guy that comes off in the first film, like, loves rock and roll is you know of the three kids of the family he's not really the most successful doesn't have a you know you know he's hanging out with this wacky doctor all the time yeah which nowadays if we looked at that that's a little weird i <laughs> mean be a little weird. nobody questioned that when this film came who's out a, yes. who's your best friend uh it's this 50 year old doctor dude he's crackpot uh, guy. Uh, okay <laughs> but he does have this hero complex like he has this whole hero side to him which i think is why we love and follow marty so much and we we support him because he does have that like don't call me chicken. I'm going to, he has the David versus Goliath kind of, you know, with our um, hilarious villain of this series, Biff Tannen, played by um, Thomas F. Wilson, who, uh, man, just rewatching these films the other day, I don't know if, I'm, I'm sure he have, and I know he did a lot of, he's done a lot of voice work too, um, uh, animation, but like, I don't know if I've really seen him in anything else, like big time as a movie that I can like easily recognize, but like, He's so fantastic as Biff in these movies. He's such that numbskull idiot bully. Um, and I love how they play with the different iterations of him as they go through different parts of time travel, especially part two, which I think part two, in, in a very similar way to we've talked in the past of like Empire Strikes Back and other sequels that like almost are as good, but maybe slightly outdo the original just because I love the various time periods and I love how the altered timeline of Biff become this Trump tycoon that has, you know, ruined everything. There's a lot of fun stuff in part two, yeah. Number two, a friend pointed this out to me. Of all the movies, number two is the most time travel heavy movie because you go from our current present into the future to a screwed up present back to the past and you're revisiting things that you've already done in the past. So definitely of the three, it's the most time travel heavy. Yeah. That's where that word again. Heavy. Yeah. That heavy. I I think so heavy in the future. (laughs) Is there something wrong with the earth's gravitational pull? Um, Then we have, uh, of course, a big plot point of the first film, which then we'll kind of tie into some things in part two is the whole thing is getting Marty's parents together. Uh, played by Leah Thompson and Crispin Glover, who are fantastic. Uh, take your damn hands off. Her. I always thought that. What, Lorraine? What? Uh, George McFly, yeah. I love the pair of them. That definitely was, I remember this was definitely the first film I saw Leah Thompson in. And of course, I'm sure we both can all agree, had a major crush on her when I first saw this film. And just that so awkward, but like funny humor of, the mom thinks that he's cute and doesn't realize yeah, it's her son. Yeah, yeah. I just love and, what a hypocrite she is too. Like early in the beginning, it's like, I never partied with a boy or parked cars with a boy. And then later it's like, she's drinking from her mom's liquor cabinet. He's a peeping Tom. Yeah. Heading on him and she's like, he could stay in my room and like, grabs you know, his The little leg. leg squeeze like, whoa, I gotta get out of here. 
which it definitely feel like in that time and age, even though there would have been the the niceness of like, let's let's keep him in, you know, because he has no place to go. I feel like parents back then would have been like, um, you do not sleep in the same room. Uh, nowadays might have been a little more loose, but um, yeah, they're fantastic. And it is sad to think that there was, um, I've seen some interview with him talking about it, but there was some major fallout with Crispin Glover and uh, which is why he's actually not in part two or part three. It is a different actor and they have a somewhat doable voice that kind of sounds like Crispin Glover, but he's not back as George McFly in part two or part Hold three. Which as is, a kid. Which is really sad because, yeah, it definitely, you buy it and they're not in the movie a lot. It's definitely more of Leah Thompson's character um, highlighted. But um, I think, man, he's like such a, like, I love that he goes back in time, Marty, and, you know, meets his dad, which that would be trippy in itself. And his dad's a total nerd. He's a peeping Tom. And the whole, that sequence, I think is so brilliant where you get, okay, he's like, nothing on this earth is going to make me ask her out. And then Marty does this whole, I am Darth Vader with this, like (laughs) the suit he has. And he's just playing rock and roll with like the Walkman. I think that is like hilarious. So, but it was sad because I always wonder what they could have done, especially when they went back into part three for the Western. I feel like they could have, you know, they, they, definitely used a lot of humor of having michael j fox play multiple characters in part two and part three especially like he plays like the daughter at one point and then like uh you know that that was really funny they're like let's play up that humor that all the family would look like michael j fox but i feel like they could have used george mcfly in some sense like in the in, old west to in be the old like west an- it make more sense to play his ancestor yeah like seamus or something and it would have been funny if like if he was almost exactly the same kind of nerdiness just in the west you know <laughs> like i thought that would have been a funny angle of like you know we have the big bully come in uh, and he's like ah, 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 you know like gotta get those potatoes yeah otherwise they didn't do it but um yeah what do you guys think of this as i mean that first movie i think it is uh it's just a r- really simple story in terms of like what the premise is but there's just a lot of heart to it and i think it is really cool when they visually you see him walking around present day and then, you know, the, the clock tower area, uh, which we've, I've, I've gone to uh, in the back, you know, over in Universal Studios a lot. It's fun to go by. I, but I was there the other uh, few weeks ago. That was my holding area while I was on set for something. Oh, nice. They were like, all right, this is where you're going to be, you know, hanging out when you're not filming. I was like, oh my God, it's the clock tower. I need a picture. I never got one because they like confiscated our phones. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Those bastards. Dang, dang Billie Eilish. <laughs> But when you see it, when you, when you go, when it goes back in the fifties and start playing Mr. Sandman and like, you're like, you know, not enter the Sandman, but Mr. Sandman. <laughs> yeah. As I was to say, Whoa, what kind of fifties is this? No, what I think what's so great about that going and going back and watching this films it, and I'm a huge fan of like the twilight zone where that really, that kind of that trippiness and just the whole, the, this, we only talked about this many times, but just the, the, not only of course, the music of the different eras, but it really has this creepy like sense of like, what is going on? And it really, and a lot of that lends to obviously Michael J. Fox's performance of he just like bewildered by that. And I love the, the contrast is a lot of films don't talk about that. I mean, this, you know, the things that take, take grant, uh, granted for in the, you know, the eighties and then for 30 years later, like a lot of the stuff, like, and just, and you talk about the humor of just the confusion. Well, when he goes in the diner scene, yeah, I'll get a, I'll get a Pepsi free Pepsi. You got to pay for it. I'll just have a tab. You tab. You haven't ordered anything yet. It's like, just give me something on sugar in it. Yeah, sugar. All right. And, um, <laughs> 
and it touches upon those little like those little things but it's it's so well crafted that it's like wow like you don't realize like the appreciation and then you're like oh i see what my parents had to go through and and such but it'll be interesting to see based on that and you know what everything's going on uh you know years have passed if they ever because they've been talking about that if they ever remade it what kind of things would they tackle you know if not the same yeah because like that I, I going off of that i like you know doc brown is very very you know strict on okay you can't say anything that would affect people's future because you know you're you're supposed to just your future is what it is it's like you can't you could change the course and all this stuff and there's little moments where marty without realizing it is like you know like they're at the dining room table oh, he's gonna be mayor he's, he's like he's like oh i've seen this one yeah it's the one he's like how could you have seen this one it's brand new he's like i you know it was a rerun what's a rerun yeah no one they, you know and then like he's playing all the rock and roll music at the dance and he's like everyone's just like what the hell is this and he's like one day your kids are gonna love it you know it's like he's not doing to the point where it's like it's gonna change history but there's those moments where you're like oh it almost but then i love the humor of like into like part two where they definitely do go back to the 50s and it's like you can't talk to yourself and that moment where doc brown's on the phone and then the old doc brown is right behind him and he's like yeah. can you pass me a, a five eighths a wrench he's like don't you mean three quarters oh yeah three quarters and he's just acting all like I'm talking to my past self, but I can't reveal that it's me. Which that's a little bit of a paradox because he just uh, he gave him the right. It's one. a pair of docs. Yeah. Oh. 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 I like that. Pair of docs. Yeah. I wonder. You know. I, I guess we'll just go into it now because we might as well. We're going to talk about all kinds of things with this. Zemeckis has been very clear that he doesn't want any future films, um, at least while he's still alive. I think the closest we've gotten that I would consider canon is the Back to the Future video game. Is it the uh, Telltale ones? Yeah. Or is it kind of the point I, and click? Yeah, because I believe they actually brought back the creative crew. I know they brought back Doc. Um, and, and Biff. Yeah. I think. Wilson's for done the PlayStation like 4 one, not for 3, but he did do 4. And then even, um, they didn't bring back Michael J. Fox to be Marty, but he does show up in the last episode as like Marty's like uh great great grandfather or something oh, wow. so and it's a solid game it's a solid it's very good storytelling but i think that's the closest we're ever going to get to an official continuation of back to the future yeah i wonder what they would it, i feel like yeah if they were to ever go back to this material they would do a full brand new take on it it would have to be it would have to be just because of the timelines of you know where we are now but I don't know what, you know, like, I think something they could do, though, which it would be weird, though, because it wouldn't deal with Marty McFly necessarily. But, like, I'd be interested if they did, like, a younger Doc Brown series to talk about, like, how he gets into science and, like, maybe, you know. But the thing is, like, the point of the series is the time travel element, which he has to have already discovered it and then, of course, make the DeLorean into a time travel device. So... I don't, yeah, I don't know what, what they would do unless, you know, there's, there was, um, because of TikTok and everyone making these, you know, where people like, you know, the um, deep fakes and stuff, there was, just because of how great they are in the MCU, there was someone that made a uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland uh, deep fake of them as Doc Brown and Marty McFly. And I was like, you know what? I would want to see that movie. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I would yeah. still pay to see that movie, even if it was a complete, just accurate remake. And it was the two of them. I would see it just to see it. But uh, 
I don't, yeah, th- nothing's ever gonna like top the magic again of that. You know, even like the think of the DeLorean. Like nowadays, I've actually seen, you know, a DeLorean like this itself. It's not the most pretty car, and I just love you know of that day and age. Doc, you made a time machine on DeLorean. Well, if you're gonna go, we go with style. It's like, what would they do nowadays? The Tesla. Well, and and that's the cool practical thing when you talk about the time machine itself. I mean, what a great design and how it would change over the course of the films. But just the cool effect. I love the the actual a lot of the practical effects, but some of the stuff they did when I actually would travel through time. And you think about that awesome the flames and uh, all that was just like so cool. All that kind of stuff. I love the uh, the steam coming out of the vents. That uh, especially in the first time you see it uh, when Doc and Marty are walking up after sending Einstein through uh, through one minute in time and just kind of just scares. I know he throws back. He's like, <laughs> and it comes. But up, is yeah. it hot? No, it's cold. Damn cold. I I always remember too as a kid. Like I totally like was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That is the science behind this. You know. 1.6 gigawatts and like all this stuff i was like yeah that totally makes sense the flux capacitor and i was like no yeah that 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 seems accurate to me <laughs> like not knowing at all that probably not possible but yeah i like how in the second one we get a little more of like a futuristic take on the you know because they've gone to the future but then um you know the third one going back to the west i think is a fun plot point and it it makes it especially there's no technology so it's like how is how is this going to happen? And then the whole train sequence is a very fun, thrilling. Uh, and again, with these callbacks, like I love how they bring the hoverboard from part two with them. So like that definitely plays a part. If they didn't have the hoverboard with them from the future, they never would have actually survived to get to, you know, all these like things where you go like, it, it's all there. It's all there. The third one gets a lot of hate and I think it's still a really solid movie. I think well, it's I fun. Th- I think what I wanted in a tra- time travel one is like you can travel anywhere, and there was not enough for me. I wanted it left me wanting more through all, all three films. Like I was like, man, I want to see the dinosaurs. Like he teased about it in the first one. You want to see the sign of the Declaration of Independence or the birth of Christ? You know, like we didn't get to see any of that. You know, so I think it was just the right amount, and it there was callbacks to that throughout the beginning. And you know, we talk about like the western, and even when he has his Clint Eastwood look, like all that stuff really. With a with a time travel movie full of paradoxes, the plot points they kept pretty consistent throughout the trilogy. What I think is interesting, and I didn't notice this until just a few years ago, but in the second movie, Doc is wearing a shirt that has a pattern on it, and it's got trains on it. It's a train pattern shirt, so it's already hinting at the third movie. Well, I mean, two like they clearly filmed two and three like I'm assuming back to back because I thought it funny that like two ends and it's like to be concluded and here's a trailer for part three yeah yeah they definitely had that in mind yeah like we don't get i mean like nowadays yes we have plenty of movies that do a two and three or you know a two-parter but you never get like a oh by the way this is the teaser and in a way that one minute or so teaser kind of shows like the whole movie i always kind of hate that it's there i think the last time we got something like that was um the end of Thor? No, it was the you end know, of Captain America. Captain America, and yeah. And it showed like a solid minute of Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, this is what's coming. I think it would have been a, a nice nod was just, you know, it's like they could have had just like a setting of the West 
and you see like the DeLorean drive by and like yeah. that would have been something or that, a oh. picture of them taking a photo at the clock <laughs> or the tower. photo yeah yeah which is yeah, a, like, which is like a cool one this yeah. is before uh, the MCU did the, the proper teases and things like that but uh but you're talking about Eric we were like when you got to see second and third one I remember hey this is dating us going to Blockbuster and getting them I can still smell the Blockbuster and getting those and then I like I went to oh we got to do I didn't know they had a th- third one and of course my mom not in the movies as I was and I'm watching there's a third one. Why did we get it? I'm like yelling across the room. I just finished. I'm like, we got to go back to Blockbuster. And I was getting all Doc Brown. We got to go back, back to Blockbuster. Back to Blockbuster. To rent the movie. And let's get M&M's over there. Anyway, but uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I would, that was a really cool thing to like, oh my gosh. this. I think that was probably one of the first movies I saw when it was like, oh, this is probably one of the first times I knew that they would start doing this. They would do back-to-back filming of films. Yeah, which was smart because... You know, look at the time, the time jump, um, you know, not a huge amount of time before the part two, but four years, you know, which even that day and age, I felt like a lot of sequels would come out pretty, pretty quick, but smart to be like, all right, the movie did well, we're going to make sequels and we're going to, you know, tell this story that is kind of a two part of there because there are elements that do play into both things. But I mean, I also just look at like the future, like I do love the way they, you know, for again, a lot of practical effects the way they make the future element in part two is a lot of fun stuff. Like things that I think we all think would actually kind of happen by now. Like the uh, hoverboards are kind of, I've seen kind of things that are kind of getting to that technology, but like, I love the pizza maker moment where like they just put the little pizza in and then it just like, you know how to hydrate a pizza and stuff like that. And grapes (laughs) and like self drying. We need self drying clothes. We would never need umbrellas anymore. That'd be great. Your jacket is now dry. Whoa, power laces. Um, I gotta, you gotta give a little shout out to number two as well. The fact that you know we we're talking about the time jumps and having going back to revisit stuff that they have already been in those scenes. I thought that was very well done. The choreography to get it is exactly obviously from different perspectives, but the enchantment of the sea dance and all those like just how they kind of did all that was just cool. I remember would go back to watch the first one again, like, wait, did I actually see them? And, you know, like kind of like, you know, it wasn't, you know, them actually traveling in time, but it was like kind of cool to see and compare how they both, um, that would have been, they, if they had known in advance, they were going to do part two and three would have been really trippy. If there was like randomly, like you see at the dance, like you see a guy with like a black hat walk by Yeah, you did like, you just don't know what that is. It's just like a random background. That would have been like really cool planning, but obviously they didn't know they're going to be part two and three at that time. But um, yeah, it's really like, I love the whole sequence of, I just think it's a smart, the decision of there is this almanac, you know, this, this sports thing that has all the winners for the last 50 years and somehow Biff gets a hold of it and then chaos ensues, but it's a great MacGuffin. Yeah. That car chase too. Uh, I love at the end with the hoverboard and trying to get that. It's a very fun, fun sequence and very intense. I always love a Biff always, he always somehow ends up in manure. That that theme <laughs> continues as well. I was wearing a Back to the Future shirt one day um, and I was going through a security checkpoint at, at uh, Disneyland. And then the guy's like, Back to the Future? Oh, I love that movie. I love the one where the guy gets in a, a face full of manure. And I'm like, so all of them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all three? Yeah. Which is fun. Like, I feel like it, there's like tropes in this. Like, it's like, you have the hero, you have the scientist, you have the girl. And you have the villain and the villain always gets his upcomings like in the, in a very funny way. And even like in the third one, how many times Marty McFly punches him 
and he keeps just twirling around and his eyes keep going in the back of his head and then he lands right into the manure pile. Do you have any last words, Mad Dog? I hate manure. <laughs> I was like, well, that's going to be all of your relatives are going to have manure problems. So, well, with that, let's take a quick break and we'll be back talking more about Back to the Future. We must come back to the podcast. Biff, does it help to have someone to beat up? My grandmother always yells at me to take out the trash and don't complain. She told me I had a purpose. To punch small dweebs and hit on hot chicks. Hey! Hey! Stop them! Ah! Uh, ah! Uh. Hello? Hello? McFly? Anybody home? Smile. Though your heart is aching. Smile. What are you looking at, butthead? Even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky. Why don't we make like a tree and get out of here? If you smile to your fear and sorrow, smile. <laughs> What's so funny? Loser. Hell Valley's lost its way. What kind of coward would do something that stupid? Someone who's a slacker. I used to think my life was a tragedy. Now I realize it's a play or something. Comedy? It's a comedy, you idiot. Butthead, the Biff Tannen origin story, coming soon. The better question is, when are we, Marty? We are 129,120 BC. The time is the Neanderthals. I couldn't pass up a chance to explore this time period. The very early years of mankind. Great Scott, look over there. Who are they? Looks like a tribe of Neanderthals. Meandering back to their camp. Seems they had quite the hunt. Look at all that meat. Hey there. Oh, Nah. Hi, I'm Marty. Marty. <laughs> Man, I can't understand a word they're saying, but that one looks an awful lot like my dad. Wow, you're right. 
Great Scott! Well, my calculations are correct. You're looking at your ancestor. Oh man, this is heavy. Oh, banana, boog. You seem to be struggling with this. I see what the problem is. Here, let me help you. Remember, Marty, whatever we do, we must not interfere or influence them in any way. What? I just fixed their wheel. It was a square, Doc. Marty, what did I just say? We could cause a paradox. I could disrupt the time-space continuum. Oh. Well, I guess I shouldn't have given them my lighter then. Marty! Ooga nooga, Calvin Klein. Oh, no. It seems your mother's ancestor is infatuated with you now. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you saying my cave mom... It's got the hots for me? Ooga, nooga, butthead. Great Scott, here we go again. And we're back. Well, so, okay, the three films. I mean, they are a fun trilogy package. We've kind of talked a little bit about how there's not really going to be, at this present time, any continuation. Um, but, you know, what's been fun is to see because of the love of these movies, how many times Christopher Lloyd has come back to pop in for Doc Brown stuff, but even Marty, you know, even Michael J. Fox, um, even with, you know, what he has, he has continued to pop up for events and stuff. And he, he knows how important these movies are, but one I have to bring up just because I remember laughing very hard. Um, I wish though it had not been spoiled in a trailer. I thought that was a huge mistake. I understand why they did that. They want to sell tickets, but uh, as a fan of Family Guy and Seth MacFarlane, um, him starting to make his own movies, live action movies, um, Million Ways to Die in the West. <laughs> yes. Um, they have a, <laughs> it was spoiled in a trailer, which I hated. I wish it would not have been a trailer, but I love this bit where he goes into this barn and it's Doc Brown and he's like, what do you got going on in there? He's like, nothing, nothing back here. Yeah. He oh, has, like, weather little... experiment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, they've like popped up for things, especially on like talk shows, you know, like we had the 30th anniversary a couple years ago. And, um, and you know, now it's like, like just recently there was um, a thing where, you know, we've had um, Rick and Morty, uh, the show that is kind of, I feel like I haven't really watched much of it, but it's kind of taking a little homage from the, at least the pairing of Marty and Doc. It actually started as a very crude parody of Back to the Future. It was like Doc and uh, Marty that was spelled differently. It was like Mahardy or something. <laughs> and then that eventually evolved into Rick and Morty. But yeah, they're clearly based upon um, Doc and Marty's exper um, relationship. Yeah, because they just did a, I think it was just a teaser for the new season, but um, Christopher Lloyd was the live action uh, Rick for like the quick like scene or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Is it Rick? Is Rick the doctor or is that Morty? Uh, Rick is the doctor. Rick is, yeah, doc, yeah. Um, but okay, I want to bring up, um, so you, you talked about Eric, the video game. And it was a short film, Doc Brown Saves the World. But there Which was I also- still not seen, unfortunately. I, I haven't seen, I wonder if it's on YouTube. I'm, I'm assuming it would be. But there was, um, I do remember a little bit of this. There was, it, it didn't last very long, but there was the Back to the Future animated show uh, back in 91, 92, uh, which didn't have really 
many of the original cast. I mean, Thomas F. Wilson, I, I tell you, the man was like, I'm going to play Biff for the rest of my life. If there's, you need me for Biff, I'm coming in. I'm going to do Biff till the day I die. Uh, but Christopher Lloyd did, did do the show as Doc Brown a little bit, but uh, they had Dan Castanella, who, of course, is Homer, uh, was a voice actor for that. But yeah, I, don't, I, I wonder if, like, it'd be kind of fun to watch some of that now and see, like, what they did. I'm sure with animation, they were able to go in further back areas of time. We kind of talked about this with the Men in Black series that they, the animated show with that could kind of do a lot of stuff that they maybe didn't want to pay for to do in the big films. But I'm trying to remember if I like have any memories of those shows. I remember one where uh, one of Doc's kids was like really into a baseball player and they like went back in time to watch and it was like I think they screwed up the timeline uh, as they typically do and it's like oh no now he's not the best baseball player in the world because we screwed something up and that's what I remember and it was like them having to refix his legacy oh oh what whoa a baseball player can't play anymore I do remember also watching that um when I was a little older too, like I stumbled upon it when it was like on reruns of something. And I was like, oh shoot, the Back to the Future series. I remember watching, I was like, oh, this does not hold up the way I kind of hoped it would. It, it's definitely a little cheesy. Probably why it only, I think it was only 13 episodes or something. So that probably rings true, but okay. I guess we'll bring up, cause I'm sure all three of us went on this many, many times and did enjoy it. We have to bring up Back to the Future, the ride from oh, Universal yes, Studios. please. Um, which, oh man, rest in peace. I think, is it still, uh, it's still open in Japan? I think, I think or is it, is. or is it, oh no, I the Ryan Japan remained until 2016. So I think, yeah, it is gone. How sad. That was such a great one to have Christopher Lloyd back and Biff. I just, I, I just remember, um, and I like the concept too, that like it was set in the future and Doc created, you know, this is a cool concept that he created, um, a market for time travel where you could travel safely and experience stuff. And I thought, Oh man, that is like, like, okay, let's, you know, you gotta be careful time travel, but in the right hands, it could be kind of cool. And this has been, you know, tapped into other ones. Like, um, I remember a sound of thunder. You guys ever read that story in, in school? So again, that offsuit, there's a, it was a short story. Um, the idea of the butterfly effect, basically in the future, you could travel back in time to, hunt the most dangerous game t-rex but they would be able to kill it because it already died natural causes so they were able to go back you could get a little path you could walk on without stepping on anything and someone come when they come back this one trip doesn't go well and someone steps on a butterfly they come back the whole world's has future has changed because you kill one bug that doesn't feed all you know but that was kind of cool so i like this one in that sense but that was just so much fun i still remember the humor of it because remember my my cousin uh little Little Jake, who's like 10 years old, and he was so excited about this. I don't know, hello, Dr. Brown, anybody home? Like, I just, it's like pure Biff, I can't speak, pure Biff in that uh, thing, but oh man. I, I think my favorite is uh, he. the security team is chasing Biff, and he like uh, has the marbles or something that they trip on, and he's like, have a nice trip, see you next winter. Yes. And he dies, he's like on the ground, it's fall, you idiot, <laughs> see you next fall. I know, he was always messing that up. It was just—it was just all just just cool to actually go in a DeLorean, like the actual ride system of being this DeLorean and getting in it, and you're like, oh, we're actually, you know, on on the thing. And yeah, time traveling, and yeah, the T Rex was such a fun, cool part of that. And 
Yeah, I remember. Like, I also laugh. It was so it always made me laugh when I would go to Universal Studios. There was like the Back to the Future of the Ride, and like next door was like Doc Brown's fried chicken or like something like that. <laughs> that was delicious chicken. It had no reason being that good. <laughs> it was just like, oh, why is this here? Uh, just you know, we had the best have, chicken of all time. I guess he went back in time and he found the best recipe, and he uh, needed to make some kind of money. So. Uh, but it was cool. Like they would have like, you know, Doc Brown would walk around sometimes and you could like take photos and it was just like, they clearly loved it. But as with anything park, sadly, they have to move on. And that's, it is kind of thing back, like back to the future. I feel like, like kids nowadays, unless they've been introduced to the movies, they don't even know this thing exists. Probably. I will say though, I, I think it's still, I think it is ingrained enough in our pop culture to where it's still around. Like even in Avengers Endgame, you know, they make a big yeah. reference to it. Like Back to the Future is bull. <laughs> like, which I think says, speaks a testament to the rules of time travel that they have set up. If you're going to do a time travel movie that you have to literally say, no, Back to the Future's time travel doesn't work. You can't compare our movie to that. Like that's your way of getting around it. And just what a testament to how solid their foundation is. Well, I think Chris and I were like, we need to do like an episode just about time travel paradoxes in films. Cause it's so interesting that it will make your head melt just trying to wrap your head about like just the simplest things. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't work, but what if this and this and it's, but you, you as the audience don't really, you know, you're able to follow along with it fine. And I think that's it. Cause there's a lot of sciencey stuff going on here and, I think that's what's so great about it that it appeals to everyone that it's an easy it's a fairly easy story to follow and they help you digest it in a way that kind of makes sense well speaking of avengers because i guess i'll bring this up now because we do have to talk about it as with any movie the music can become a character itself and the theme for this is an incredible theme and there's a lot of great music in these movies alan silvestri who would eventually go on to compose the avengers theme uh did the music for Back to the Future trilogy, and that that music just—I mean—it gets you pumped. I feel like, especially when they're like really in the midst of like the time is ticking, and it's like you know we have to hit, especially that first film, and it's like, oh gosh, the yeah, cable stuck. Bastards can do Doc not, Yeah, and oh, I love it. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, that music—it's—it's it's so fun. That's such a thing. Is Robert Zemeckis like went up to Alan Silvestri and said, "Look, here's the deal. We have." like a van chasing a DeLorean. We need to make this sound exciting because those are not fast vehicles yeah, at yeah. all. But like, realistically, if you were probably watching it, it'd probably just mm, be the most boring chase ever. But the music is so enthralling and just really gets you pumped for that, uh, that whole chase sequence. I feel like the, the third film when they're on the train, they do a lot to make it look like they're going really fast. But I feel like, they, they, it's such a long sequence of like Doc Brown almost slipping and then uh, uh, the girls, you know, what's her face is like Clara. Clara's trying to fall too and like her dress keeps ripping. And it's every like, time let me they, reach to you for like the fifth time. It's like such a long sequence, but there's certain shots that the way that they pan it, it looks like they're not going very fast at all. It's like, you can tell they're like, we have to make it, like we can't actually be going X amount of, you know, it'd be too much, but but yeah, the music is so good. And I do like, it's not just the main theme where it's like the, the action. 
it does have that mystery element that well the little twinkle yeah like like, Mm -hmm. even just the opening credits but then like i said when he goes the when he goes to the 1955 hell valley and he's walking in the town square it's just all creepy or like it's gotta be a dream you know and all that it's just got that really sinister like slightly sinister but creepy like trippy kind of vibe like what is happening with like a fantasy element yeah i think my favorite sinister sound they have is um your father george is where he's been the last 10 years oak park cemetery do 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 it's just like so creepy right there and also got to bring it up just because it is such an iconic part of the first film and his something that if you hear this song you automatically go back to the future i i just yelled mcfly uh huey lewis in the news yes the power of love uh which it's kind of funny up until he kisses jennifer it's such a like a he's like i'm late for school it's like not really a song that talks about what's going on in the movie but then he kisses jennifer like okay the power of love we we get you but that song is a jam i love huey lewis in the news and they also had back to T- back in time, which is the uh, closer uh, during the credit. I would and I would go into when they go back into the fifties and all of these you know fifties era music. Seeing that as a young age, that inspired me to really enjoy that type of music. I still love the scene when he uh, when they sing Earth Angel. I I just love that rendition of that song. I was like, man, I'm I'm in love with this music, and I I I would credit this to getting me back into or actually into that type of music at such a young age. And Johnny B. Good when he, oh, he yeah. plays, and even though I don't think that's him singing, but uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know oh, if man, J. Michael J. Fox, Fox, you got some pipes. Uh, but I do love like the whole bit too of like it's Chuck Berry's like cousin. <laughs> He's like, "This is what you've been looking for," you know, like this is the sound, which is gonna eventually like funny bits like that. But um, yeah, the music's just an iconic part. And speaking of power of love and Johnny B. Good. Um, I guess we'll bring up what is now the newest iteration of the story, uh, which has been now on the West End, and hopefully one day will make its way over to uh, our shores and Broadway. But now we have Back to the Future, the musical. Uh, continuing the trend of how what, what's the next movie we can turn into a musical because we can't write original stuff anymore. <laughs> we have to continue. People want to see movies on stage. They do, they do. See it on a screen when you can see it live. <laughs> But it's exciting, though, at least uh, the book is by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Alan Silvestri did do the music. So that's at least an exciting thing that, like, he, you know, and then uh, Glenn Ballard did the lyrics. So uh, I know it it opened briefly before the pandemic, and now it's back open on the West End. But uh, it's all original music apart from Power of Love and Johnny Be Good, I believe. And I do think Back in Time was a was either a trailer thing they did or i don't know if it's back in the show but um the only person i know i recognize is roger bart has been uh playing emmett brown um who's done many musicals and movies so i'd be so intrigued to see this just to be like how they do it and uh, what the music's like and you know it's like i feel like they can you know there's not a whole lot minus the car which i'm sure maybe there's screen elements of how the car does time travel Unless it just like a car just goes right across stage very quickly. But, you know, I'm sure they could do elements of showing like, like the 50s and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't know how a, I feel like so much of Back to the Future is a visual feast that only works on screens. I don't know how it would work. I feel like the beginning 
and the end are definitely the hardest parts where it's like, how would you do that on stage? The middle, easy peasy. You can easily do the whole story of like, oh, I've got to get my dad and mom to fall in love again or else I'm going to disappear. Like there really aren't very many special effects going on throughout the middle of the movie. It's a very simple story at that point. It's just the whole, you know, let's send Einstein a minute into the future and have Marty go back in time and then we got to get him to his present those are the more visual heavy parts yeah i'd i'd, I'd want to see it just to see it you know we I mean uh taylor the last one we saw that was a big movie one was uh beetlejuice yeah. which is actually coming back to broadway and actually we rather enjoyed it uh it was pretty funny yeah there is there is a there is a market for for at a adapting excuse me movies to the stage it's just you got to do it right but it sounds like it's been doing well and that we definitely one I would like to go back and I would like to go in to see just to continue, you know, fueling our, our love of this, this franchise of this anyway. And I might have to go back and I might have to go look and, and download those games for, uh, for the PS4 just because I'm like, oh, I got to play this. Yeah, I've never played any of the back to future games. That'd be, that'd be fun. They're great stories. Uh, they are such solid storytelling, so I cannot recommend them enough. The gameplay is, you know, whatever point and click, but if you're a fan of the games, that alone will draw you in. Yeah, and I think it's just the the love of the lore and whatnot. So I love it. We got the super nerds here when it comes to uh, Back to the Future. I love it. Hey, we love the movies. And do you feel, Eric, you know, I think looking at just, you know, legacy, do you feel like, you know, years from now, these films are still going to hold up as they have, you know, for like a generation like ours that really kind of grew up with them? Do you feel younger audiences are going to continue to discover these movies and fall in love with them, even if tech has maybe surpassed some of the stuff? I mean, obviously, I don't think we're ever really going to discover time travel, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's starting to pop up in even the future part of part two that can now be a reality. Um, But yeah, how do you think these movies are going to hold up, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now? I think two is the one that will hold up the least just because it's like look at these crazy things we thought we would have you know x amount of years ago that maybe we don't even have now like i think that's always the hardest part isn't it 2015 2015 yeah i think that's the hardest part is like let's travel to the future marty and it's like well that was you know that was six years ago so um but i think that the first one will absolutely hold up because like i said earlier there is a large chunk of it that is solely dependent on just the characters and the storytelling versus like, you know, oh, look at all these, you know, heavy predictions of time travel and and what's going to be happening in the future. So I think the first one will absolutely hold up. Second one, I think is the one that is going to have the biggest, you know, will time uh, be fair to it or not. And I think the third one holds up. I think if you just go into the past, that's where you're judging the least. I will say that's like my, one of my biggest fears though, is when I have a kid and it's like, all right, let me let daddy show you his favorite movie. And I'm so worried. They're going to be like, this movie sucks, dad. <laughs> what? <laughs> go to your room. How I just dare tears. you? <laughs> a single man tear just, just forms there. Just tears. My, I just hold up my hand and it starts fading and disappearing. Are you crying? No. <laughs> just like i want to watch space jam a new legacy again oh god no no where did i go wrong as a father (laughs) you'll have to go back back to find out Uh it's your kids your kids become assholes (laughs) your kids got like the movies you like that could be the that's the future plot 
It's yeah. me back to the future, but starring Seth Rogen and his kids don't like the movies he used to like. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Eric, we thank you so much for being on the podcast today, but we can't let you go yet. We have to ask you our guest questions. All so right, these are 10 questions for you. Uh, they're rapid fire. It's not a quiz. It's just stuff you like. So yeah, we will not, we will not grade you on this later. So just, just come up with, as soon as I'm gone, it's like, man, that guy failed. He bummed hardcore. (laughs) So you kind of already alluded to this first question, but you might change it. I don't know, but what is your favorite movie? Back to the future. Part one. It is the movie that, uh, if I'm, if I was, uh, in my single days, and I was dating someone, and they were like, oh, I've never seen Back to the Future. They'd be like, okay, we can't date until you finish this, this series. This is the <laughs> test. <laughs> that, nice. That is Number my two, big one. What is your favorite TV series? Um, I'm going to go with Breaking Bad. That one, I've gone back and watched that about five times. I was at one point working on translating it all into a Shakespearean play, but then someone beat me to it. They even had a, a, the same title I was going to use, which was Breaking Bard. So... Uh. <laughs> I know it's so clever, but uh, definitely Breaking Bad, favorite series. What is your favorite video game or video game series? I'm going to go with Resident Evil series, Metal Gear Solid series, and Bioshock Infinite is probably the game that I always go back and just feel the same sense of wonderment, even though I've beaten it about 10 times now. Uh, What would you say your favorite style of music or favorite artist? Oh, easy. I know my top five right off the top of my head in order. ACDC, The Beatles, Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, and um, I, I know the fifth one. Uh, let's just go with those ones for now. All right. <laughs> classic just... rock. I like that. Yep. Um, what is the favorite place you've Queen, traveled? That was the fifth oh, one. Queen. Sorry. Oh, Queen. Yeah. What is the favorite place you've traveled to? You know, it, it's not the most exotic um, that I've traveled to, but my wife and I had the most wonderful time in Canada. And we went to, we did a little road trip going from Toronto to Montreal, Ottawa, and Quebec. And it was just such a delightful time. Uh, most exotic I, we've been to would be New Zealand, though. That was a really solid trip, too. I know, Eric's, Eric's been to Hobbiton. I'm only this much jealous. <laughs> only one day. Uh, one, one day we'll both go we'll be we'll yeah, we'll the go, podcast yeah. from a hobbit hole um number six what inspires you or what has inspired you um people telling me that i can't do something has always been my biggest inspiration it's like you know what like i actually had a college teacher flat out tell me in front of the entire class that uh i would not make it as an actor and if i wanted to be involved in theater i should try stage management and that actually made me quit acting for a little while. But um, then I got a gig where I was like, oh, look, this guy was good. Good review. And the hatred of my enemies is my fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've received? Uh, it's not from anyone in particular. And again, it does kind of go back to, you know, you'll never make it as an actor, Eric, but it's something that speaks to me and it's one the piece of advice i always give to people galaxy quest never give up never surrender that's a good one um what well this is going to be interesting uh number eight what would you say your nerd level is a scale of one to ten so one being biff and number 10 being doc brown i'm definitely (laughs) not gonna say that I'm a 10 because like I have so many friends that are like, you know, oh, I, if you watch the Clone Wars and, you know, you read the expanded universe and like, I, I'd say I'm probably a seven 
to be realistic. Like I watch all these movies and I'm very knowledgeable and I've got all my theories, but I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, in Avengers issue 246, that's what they're referencing right there. Like, <laughs> I'll be honest, I went to the Eternals and at the tail end of the end credits and everything, I turned to my wife and I was like, I think we're going to have to look into what some of these things mean because I'm a little yeah. lost here. Uh, number nine, what is a guilty pleasure of yours? You know, like it might not be a guilty pleasure. It may be more of a hobby, but I enjoy collecting uh, vinyl albums. Vinyl albums and tiki mugs are just my little thing that I love spending a little extra money on. It just bring me joy for whatever reason. Love that. And last but not least, we, uh, we've already been doing some of these on this episode, but we always like to have our guests give us their best impression. What is your best impression? Uh, well, my best impression is uh, my two are, <clears throat> let's see. Uh-huh. Well, uh, hey, your pal, it's me, Mickey Mouse. Oh, boy. Now get out there and make me some money. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, like, like you want me and Scoob to, like, go in there? Like, with a g- g- ghost? Like, I don't know, Scoob. <laughs> Thank you, Eric, so much for being on the podcast. Where can people follow you on social media if they want to get in touch with you or follow what you up to? Um, I am. I definitely have my Instagram, which is the Moody Man, M O D Y M A N, and most of my other links are on there as well, such as my website, which I should probably update. I don't think I've updated it since pre-pandemic so i should get on that things are happening now um but yeah definitely my instagram i try to be active on there i try to be active on tiktok but some days it just it's been a few weeks since i've posted anything haven't had the inspiration to post i've had a tiktok for a few months now and yet i have not made one video yet (laughs) i haven't done anything with it (laughs) maybe by 2022 i'll be inspired to actually start creating but just don't have to drive yeah but well, thank you, Eric. We're so happy that you came on today to talk about Back to the Future, My a trilogy pleasure. that we all thank you for having love me. very much. And um, yeah, so uh, hopefully we'll get to see you in person soon. But for now, stay safe. And uh, yeah. And remember, the future is what you make it. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.